What do a dentist and a gynecologist have in common? Beyond Our Lips, a podcast where best friends and practicing doctor moms use their gift of gab and professional passions to entertain, educate, and inspire. like to talk about when you bring that kid that you just birthed with your amazing birth plan yeah in to get their teeth checked I never know the, the right answer time. to this <laughs> I don't know this is very confusing they get teeth at six months and then I thought there was a rumor around three but should it be sooner and when are we traumatizing them I don't know um, that's are those are great questions so this is something I think that has changed um I think it was the American Academy of Pediatrics, Mm -hmm. started recently suggesting that they go establish a dental home, is the kind of the quote that they use, by a year old, which is really, really young. And being that I'm not a pediatric dentist, I'm more of a family dentist, um, that one-year-old would probably not come to my office. Now, having said that, I do have moms that come with their kids and maybe they have an older kid and maybe they have a baby and occasionally we will have the baby just get in the mom's lap and we'll take a look around right just to kind of nervous about the way that the teeth are coming in or there's one that looks funny exactly or if it's just to even get them used to being in the chair so I definitely have checked a one-year-old's teeth before, but I don't think it's something that should cause anxiety. Like, I think it's one of those APD recommendations, like they should sleep in your room until they're a year old. Yeah. That's kind of <sighs> like, mm, that's hard. we get where they're coming from, but we're going to kind of like take it or leave it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel. Now, of course, having said that, if you do have any concerns, you absolutely can take your one-year-old either to the pediatric dentist or bring them with you to the general dentist and they can have a look. My child didn't even have, he got his first two teeth at like 11 months. So it would have been pretty irrelevant for him as well. (laughs) I would love to see somebody bring in their child at like six months of age that has no teeth. No teeth. To be like, I need you to check them out. (laughs) He needs a a dental cleaning. A gum exam. Like of what? Um, Well, and you do, you do kind of want to get in the habit of cleaning. So like we even tell you to kind of wipe their gums out before they have, oh, I'm so bad with this. Well, and that's, this again is not one of those things to like introduce guilt into moms because we have enough issues with that. And so I'm saying give yourself a major break here because more than likely we're not going to find anything. You're not missing out on anything. You know, you just do what you do. As a matter of fact, for the first, I think, maybe year or two years, my son's version of brushing his teeth was just to sit there and bite on the toothbrush. Yeah, we're there. Yeah, and it was totally fine. And to tell you the truth, I was like, yeah, get those bristles and those grooves. Like, it was actually kind of maybe doing the job without it being a super stressful thing. Well, I feel like that's my biggest dread right now because the baby's almost two. And if I were to hold him down to try to brush the teeth, this would become a major meltdown situation every single day, twice a day. But yeah. now every single day, twice a day, he'll come to the area, say brush teeth, and we'll give him his toothbrush, and he'll hang out. We'll put a little toothpaste on it. He'll want more. I'm trying to make it a positive experience for him to enjoy yes. that. But, like, we're not holding him down and 
forcing yes you don't you you really don't want it to be like such a negative experience or such like another thing that you have to like force them Uh, into submission to do the diaper changes we're forcing those right we're we're making him get his diaper changed (laughs) making whether or not he's having a meltdown (laughs) or not they, I think they have control issues, too. They feel like that there's things that are out of their control, and they're probably, they do get tired of being tied down, and they do get tired of being told what to do all the time. And so it's just one more negative association in their minds. But going to the dentist really doesn't have to be. So if you have a baby and you're wondering, just bring them with you. Let us take a look. It doesn't have to be a dedicated visit. We usually don't charge for it. It's just something to introduce them to the concept. So yeah. when we really start doing the serious business is typically around three or three and a half when they have all the teeth. So that includes the molars. And so that's when we really try to get in there and at least get a toothbrush in there, at least get a good look with the mirror. Typically those babies that started young coming in with mom, it's not an issue. And a lot of times younger siblings do a little bit better than the first. At least that's how it was with my experience with my children that the younger one did actually better than the first one. How are my kids? Is the middle one better than the first one? <laughs> All three of well, I say no, three. I've only no. done the two. The baby is they're not. great. They both did. They both do very, Ugh. very, very well. They we have never had any issues with them. The thought of taking them to your office gives me anxiety. <laughs> well, your husband's got it completely under control, <laughs> and he comes Woo! at seven thirty in the morning. So mm-hmm. I, they, they do really well. I mean, kids do a lot better than you think. I think. Oh, I guess the question, too, is, like, do parents go back with the kids or do the kids go by themselves? I really want parents to be as comfortable as they possibly want to be. And so for a lot of parents, that means coming back. But also in my experience, um, we we have a little bit of a better time when we get them to ourselves because Mm -hmm. it's it's just one of those things where they kind of fall into that I'm at school mode or that kind of I'm, I'm at you know a daycare or whatever where I have to listen to the adult in the room but if there's two adults in the room then we start doing this thing where maybe we might cry or be upset because we want sympathy from mom because she's in the room or dad and I find that normally that doesn't work very well your husband has never come back in the room during their visits and I, I attribute that a lot of that to why they do so well now at the end, I will bring mom or dad back. We'll go over what we found. We'll show them everything. We'll talk about cavities or whatever so that we're not leaving you completely out of the process. But during the actual meat and potatoes of the visit, we really as providers prefer to be the ones that are in control in that room and not have to share that control with parents. But we understand that sometimes parents want to be back there. It helps them to feel a little bit more comfortable. And I have 16-year-olds that their moms sit back there with them. They just would rather have them there. No, mm-hmm. I have 16-year-olds that their moms come to their gynecology <laughs> appointment. I think that the mom coming back there a lot of times is more for her com- her comfort or dad's comfort yeah. than the child's comfort. I don't think that the children, they, they don't really care. I mean, they've already, most of them been, you know, they're used to this not being with with mom and dad 24 hours a day thing. So what's your counseling strategy with, like, small children? Like, I find myself wanting to be like, brush your teeth or they'll all fall out. But, like, when you're five, they're all going to fall out anyway. So then that feels like a bit of a (laughs) catch-22. Brush your teeth and they're all going to fall out. Right. Like, it's very – how do you strategize that? Well, we talk about sugar bugs and the importance of controlling your sugar intake. That actually, before about the age of seven or eight, that falls more on the parent. And, and that's not to, to fall blame on the parent, but it's 
because parents are still really in control at that stage. So we typically will advise the parents or say, okay, what are their favorite drinks? And a lot of it is just education because a lot of times people don't realize that the timing of when you eat sugar makes a difference, what type of sugars, whether it's in sugary drinks or um, different things like that. A lot of people don't even realize that that is important. So a lot of it is parent education until a certain point, but maintaining your baby teeth is very important. It's not, they will fall out, but if you have tooth decay as a baby, you can have premature loss of the teeth, which can cause spacing issues. Of course, it can cause pain. You're going to have those teeth for a long time, so it still could affect your quality of life ultimately. So, because I don't know these things, when little kids have the silver teeth, what has happened there? <laughs> I'm n- no shame. I, I think my, you know, own family members have had such. But what mm. is that? So those are stainless steel crowns. So those are baby crowns. So that's when you've lost so much tooth structure due to decay, typically, that a filling no longer will suffice and you have to do a crown. And mm. occasionally what accompanies that is like a, what we call like a pulpotomy or like a baby root canal. <gasps> Where they actually have, we have to take out part of the nerve because the, either the decay has gotten to the nerve or the or the child has an infection or a toothache. So that's a major bummer. They're not, yeah. But are, are those favorable. those baby crowns? Are they on only the baby teeth? Majority of the time, they are on baby teeth. Occasionally, we'll have a six-year molar that might erupt, and if we're in the middle of bad habits or something's going on, or sometimes there's an enamel defect or things that you can't control, and you have to have one. We will see the stainless steel crowns on permanent teeth, but very rarely. It's usually on baby teeth, and they're usually lost. But the molars are the last ones to be lost, and often you don't lose your last baby molar till you're about 11 years old, 11 mm. or 12 years old even, as, as late as that. So, so they are there a long time. They're there a long time. Yeah. A, a significant amount of time that you definitely want to make sure that you're taking care of them. Your fear tactics <laughs> are probably not the best thing as parents. I mean, I definitely try to go more positive reinforcement good. on the good habits. Um, you know, we'll talk to the kids about brushing their teeth and... Defeating the sugar bugs. Right. Trying to fight the sugar bugs and, you know, yeah. um, no cavity club and you'll get a treasure and Ooh. things like that. You know, you yeah. try to do those positive reinforcement like you do anything else. But good. a lot of it comes back to um, just kind of education and educating the parents. Now, as they get a little bit older... We will show them in the mirror, you know, what the plaque looks like or if their gums are a little bit inflamed or where those cavities are coming from. You get all kinds of different, you find out all kinds of different habits of people that maybe they drink a Coke before they go to bed at night mm. or they hoard candy in their rooms mm. or different things like that. So I'm going to wrap my sister out. She would put like a soda on a nightstand. Oh, man, yeah. That's, like that's what she swigged at nighttime instead that's of. That's bad. <laughs> Yeah. But, but you know, again, that's something that people did. And maybe you're not, the last thing you're thinking about is teeth. You need somebody sometimes to stop and, and tell you why those things are wrong. So when we see certain patterns, and a lot of times we can identify them pretty clearly. If we've got cavities more in the grooves, we start asking about hard candies. If we've got decay in between the teeth or, you know, kind of more... Um, extensive decay then we start talking about sugary drinks and we talk a lot about Fanta and Sprite and Sunkist mm-hmm. and we'll say do you like to drink sodas and they'll say no I don't drink any sodas and then I'll say well, what's your favorite drink and they'll say Fanta 
Yeah. Yeah. Fanta's a soda. So, yeah, sometimes you have to have a roundabout way of yeah. getting to the answer. But typically for kids, about three, three and a half, that's when all the teeth are in. That's when they can usually sit still somewhat. There's always the option of sitting in mom's lap. But they'll do better than you think. And fluoride, you typically want to start right around two years old when they can kind of spit the fluoride out. I have a lot of people ask me about fluoride and toothpaste when they should be doing that. Everybody feels like they want to do the best thing for their kids. And and you hear so many different things from so many different sources. So I hope to just kind of be able to simplify that a little bit for people. And just let you know that you're doing a good job. And if the kid swallows a little bit of fluoride, it's okay. There's not no major major problem it's here. It's very very much okay. Okay. I mean, you're putting a small amount on there anyway. They're spitting some of it out, then they're getting well, very once very a little. week. I mean, Knight's got the toothpaste in his <laughs> mouth just chilling like a little systemic fluoride never mm. hurt no yeah, he's body. on it oh yeah you actually need a little systemic fluoride before the age of 16 it's actually going to help harden the surfaces of the teeth so you're getting it from several sources you're before the age of 16 you're ingesting it you're getting it topically you're getting it you know from your toothpaste and your water so all of that is actually just really good and fluoride I know is sort of a controversial topic we probably have to choose for another day but um typically Get that people from <laughs> one episode you're going to hear a lot about fluoride. <laughs> you're hear more than you probably ever wanted to know about fluoride and we will be as unbiased as we possibly can just as we just were about birth plans we're very open to all things but I feel like before you make any major um determinations about whether or not you're going to do something that it's important to have the facts yeah, that's what it's all about. Thanks, Dr. Laura. I was introducing myself at a small group the other day mm. because the name of the small group was like an emotionally enlightened woman or something. And I was wow. like, I need to go to this. <laughs> the first uh, small group exercise was just introductions. And during the introduction, my like, I could tell my blood pressure got really high. My pulse was ringing in my neck. I, I was just like getting pity and sweaty just thinking about saying who my name was, and I thought, how in the world am I going to do a graduation speech on oh, a platform goodness. with, like, probably not that many people, but, like, <laughs> like a couple hundo yeah. with the amount of nerves that hits me when I have to talk publicly. And I'm someone who talks to human beings all, all day, day every day. I don't know. So some um, other person in the group was like, hello, my name is so-and-so, and I'd feel way more comfortable right now if you guys were seven. I am a first-grade teacher. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, get it. And so they got to me, and I was like, hey, I'm Jenny Winston. Um, if you were all undressed, I would feel way much better <laughs> about having to speak in front of you. And that got the weird looks, and I'm like, I'm a gynecologist. And that See, so you broke the ice from, like, the beginning. Totally broke the ice. I don't know how to make the nerves go away. It's horrible. Well, it's not one of, it's like what? One of the, I think that's one of the number one most anxiety inducing things in like life is like public speaking. So Yeah, kudos to those who speak publicly all the time. Yes. Let's all have Ugh. a moment of silence for those people. I'm sure that the first minute or two will be very nerve wracking. But once you settle into it, you'll do great. My dad can give you a tip or two. He loves to do public speaking. See, I don't get it. He probably doesn't get nervous at all. He doesn't. He really doesn't. And he tells mm. jokes. And the man's got jokes. I don't know. So maybe he can give you some tips. Yeah. My mood. Maybe I should just take him with me. <laughs> he 
would love that. Blow their minds. <laughs> he is always giving a graduation speech. He's really? Full of it. Yeah. He's got advice. He's got jokes. He's like a graduation speech waiting to happen. I'm going to YouTube the moon. Mitch just told me to Google a graduation speech. That's a good and idea. And then just, you know, copy it. Gently <laughs> state <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> I don't recommend that as it is plagiarism, but it will keep, but we, you could get inspired. Or I could just say, as so-and-so once said, <laughs> yeah. quote, and then give a 10-minute long speech. speech, and then end quote. <laughs> <laughs> Might drop. I'm done. I am fairly confident that you have a lot of great advice to give these people uh, in and of your own self, your own specific Jenny brand just waiting to come out. And There's be, a lot of good inside this, uh, this sure. brain and noggin. For sure. I have, I have full faith in your abilities without having to plagiarize. Maybe a little bit of plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, folks. That wraps it up. That's all for today. No idea. Do you think we'll get on Ellen this time? <laughs> Maybe a couple more, a couple more episodes. Maybe that fluoride episode will make that it. fluoride it's is gonna, gonna be, win some oh, Ellen. It's gonna be exciting. Bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to Beyond Our Lips. We hope you have been entertained, educated, and inspired.